are Pro Cannabis Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. And today we have a very targeted conversation. People may look at me and say, what's that old guy doing hosting a podcast about cannabis? Well, as you might expect, I too have had some experience with this plant. I am a medical card-carrying member of the community here in Massachusetts, and I am very happy to be joined by the Director of Retirement at Asset Strategy in Natick, Massachusetts, and his name is John Gentry. And John Gentry, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. So tell me, first of all, am I a target for retirement? Does it look like I would be a target for retirement? But that's kind of where I want to start. <laughs> well, setting aside the fact that you'll probably never quit working. Right. Yes, everyone is, is a target for retirement or at least for getting their finances to the point where they can make work optional. Absolutely. And I never want to stop being myself as a talk show host. So obviously, I'm not sure I want to ever retire. But that being said, I certainly understand the importance of saving for later in your life. Accurate? Good way to look at retirement? Absolutely. And, you know, we've got a lot of clients, a lot of very type A clients who don't ever intend to stop working, um, but they, they do look forward to that freedom of making a paycheck uh, unnecessary and to be able to choose what they want to do um, later in life, whether that generates an income for them or not. Right. Now, uh, you are a certified financial planner, an accredited investment fiduciary, and it says E-R-I-S-A geek in your bio. So please explain to me what E-R-I-S-A stands for. ERISA is the Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974, which is essentially the body of laws that created the American retirement system that we know today. And I remember 1974. In fact, a lot of people still think I listen to the same music from 1974 that I still listen to today. Do, can you relate to that? I I absolutely can relate to that. I'm, <laughs> I mean, a classic, I'm a classic rock guy, too. I mean, the Allman Brothers were my favorite band back then. They still are, okay? And I still love listening to them. So I certainly have some other artists we can sprinkle in there. But the whole point of this conversation is to talk a little bit about what this might have to do with the cannabis industry. As you know, we are, or at least we like to think of ourselves as the voice of the cannabis industry. We want to give a voice to those that are in the cannabis industry. But whenever it comes to finances and cannabis, that, that schedule one drug thing still gets in a lot of, gets in the way of a lot of different things, whether you wanna just do similar banking with checking your savings. And I'm going to guess it has to affect retirement strategies as well. What has been the challenges for you as you try to create retirement accounts in and for the cannabis industry? So you, and you tied those things together really well. So ERISA, which is the governing body of laws, is all federal. Mm -hmm. And as long as cannabis is still schedule one, you're going to run into some conflicts, even in states where it's legal 
to be able to establish uh, appropriate retirement planning vehicles for all the people who work in the cannabis industry. And it seems like that first question, it, it's interesting about the legality thing and the Schedule One status federally. It's always the first thing that people think of because of the 80 years of misinformation and stigma that has been built up about this plant. And people still need to understand that in some states, and in fact, many more, now that uh, those ballot questions went five for five in the election ballot uh, exercise that we certainly do every four years anyway, for democracy's purposes. Um, there's a bigger market emerging now. More states are going to be legalizing adult use cannabis. And there's even a chance as we are doing this in recording uh, that a new president might be taking the, um, the helm, if you will, in January of 2021. But you know, because of the reporting, we're still kind of waiting for what might happen. Uh, so obviously, I, I, as much as I don't like to date these interviews, I think it's important to say that because there is definitely going to be a difference in leadership if there is a change at the helm of the government. I, I, you and I have talked a little bit about this and it, it, there's still that unknown factor, right? Isn't that what's going on? Uh, absolutely. And you know, we're, we're hopeful that all, for all the people who work in the, in the industry that, you know, removing it from schedule one and opening up um, all that opportunity, because there still are, are real and valid concerns, even though we have found legal and compliant ways to, to solve for this, for those people who work in the cannabis industry. And, and again, I'll, I'll go back, I'll reference Arissa um, at the risk of boring everyone just one more time. Think about the companies in, in the industry who have both lines of business that touch product and lines of business that don't touch products or are not cannabis related at all. Right. They sponsor a retirement program for their non-cannabis employees because they're not running afoul of Schedule 1 or any of the other regulations regarding cannabis. But once they cover those employees in their non-cannabis businesses, they are in violation of federal law if they don't cover the employees who work in the cannabis businesses. Right. And so those are, those are called MRBs, right? Marijuana-related businesses, so, like pro-cannabis media. Right. So the MRBs, if, if they don't cover their employees and the non-MRB business lines do, you have an unfair discrimination under ERISA. Gotcha. Oh, that's and interesting. So there's a, yeah. there's a catch-22 going on. So it's really important for all of the MRBs to have access to an appropriate set of products and services that will allow for them to recruit, retain, and, and, um, and attract the talent they need and, and, and it's a competitive issue. I mean, in order to compete against non-MRB MRB industries, right. all the MRBs need to be able to sponsor a 401k or a cash balance or a pension or whatever it is that's appropriate for that business. Right. And it goes back to that, you know, uh, back to the 70s, if you will, and somebody passes you uh, a joint and you have to decide at that moment in that social situation, 
do I break the law at this point or don't break the law? Now that the laws are changing, now you're trying to legitimize and give respect to the cannabis business, which by the way is projected to grow into multi-billions in the next five years, no matter what. Um, you guys are trying to figure out a way that is legal to create these retirement plans, correct? Well, we have. So we have the solutions, they're legal, they're in place. There are already quite a number of MRBs who have plans that are up and running and have been for quite some time. So there are solutions. Now, there are also very well-known large national providers in the industry who simply aren't comfortable uh, being first movers. So they, they are resisting. And so there isn't the breadth of choice or the level of competition um, that I think we will have once, once, the, uh, once the plant is taken off schedule one. And uh, as we discussed, you know, we figured this out that it's really just an administrative uh, thing with the Department of Justice that the executive branch of the government, that would be the president, no matter who the president is, all they really have to do is pick up the phone, call the DOJ and say, yeah, let's deschedule that cannabis thing so we can move the industry forward. And it doesn't have to go before Congress, yet there are three bills that have gone through the House and waiting to go to the Senate. And as we know, uh, right now, Washington, D.C. continues to be kind of completely separated, then there isn't a lot of governing uh, going on uh, between those two houses of Congress as we await election results and the settlement and who who dictates what on each side of the of the fence as it as it were um, when you guys were shopping your plan to help out the cannabis business and actually give them respect what kind of pushback did you get did you ever run into the stigma you mentioned some more conservative leaning entities that didn't want to have anything to do with it Oh, so there's an interesting dynamic. We not only did we run into vendors who simply wouldn't consider it, didn't want to have the conversation, weren't even comfortable discussing it. And, you know, no way, John, not a chance. There's just too many federal um, potholes to step in. And we're going to wait until everything is absolutely safe. Right. So we ran into that. Not only that, we also ran into um, directly from MRBs where we were suggesting they should install a retirement plan and they, they pushed back saying that it couldn't be done. And, exactly. and that's simply because they had tried and tried and tried and they finally gave up and, and uh, not realizing that the industry has evolved. The retirement plan industry has evolved to catch up to the cannabis industry so that, you know, the, re the retirement business can service the cannabis industry. And, you know, it's, it's actually a really exciting time. And then back to your commentary, this is a really awkward time from a political standpoint because we still don't know the outcome of the election. Um, and I'm not very confident if, if the Senate continues to be controlled by Republicans that any of those three bills are going to go anywhere because McConnell is likely to do what he does, which is to kill everything. But if the White House does turn over, and, and I'm not expressing a desire one way or the other politically, but right. from the cannabis industry's perspective, I think there's a much higher probability of getting that call from the White House to the Department of Justice to remove uh, cannabis from Schedule One. So, 
you know, for, from the interests of the industry, um, I think they have a, a clear, um, you know, they have a clear candidate in mind on who's going to be friendlier to, uh, to the industry going forward. Right. And of course, now the politicians in Washington, D.C. Are, are explaining that it was Mitch McConnell's farm bill in December of 2018 that opened up the whole hemp industry to the world of commerce, if you will. And I'm guessing that even though hemp has only 0.3% THC, the intoxicating chemical in this cannabis sativa plant, there still are some restrictions for people wanting to do business with those hemp companies. And does that apply to the retirement world as well? Again, probably for those providers who aren't comfortable working right. with any MRB, they're, they're probably also, and, and I think inappropriately, excluding the hemp-related businesses. Right. Um, but again, we have, um, we have products and solutions that are ready that can service, um, whether it's truly an MRB or quasi-MRB or uh, a non-MRB with an MRB affiliate. We've, we've, got, we've got the solutions now, and now it's really up to us to communicate that out to the industry so that... Um, so that the cannabis businesses know that they can get on an equal footing with all those other industries when it comes to compensation and benefits. Now, I'm guessing at uh, Asset Strategy, you guys have been in this space for a while. Um, what differentiates, obviously you have a passion for this and a lot of experience in the retirement space and creating these these. Uh, accounts and also helping people like myself who are getting up in age out with their retirement planning. Uh, what differentiates what you guys do? Obviously, you've done a lot of homework. You're ready to go, whether you're in an MRB or non-MRB or just someone who is looking to get retired. So uh, can you walk me through a little bit about asset strategy and exactly who's involved there and what differentiates that group from others in the similar space? Absolutely. So, and, and it's, there's an interesting tie-in, um, I think, uh, to, to the industry because we pride ourselves on financial wellness for employees or what we call planned participants. And wellness, as, as we all know, is, is part of the culture of cannabis. Right. CBD products, um, THC-related products, all integral to the concept of overall holistic wellness. Well, you need to be well about your money as well. And we work really hard with our clients to help the people who work at the companies and organizations that we serve to make good decisions with their money, to make sure they're saving enough, to make sure they know how much they need to save, to make sure they have a basic financial plan in place and, and we do it in a way that can be delivered to everyone, regardless of their life stage, regardless of their income, and regardless of their net worth. And that tie into the whole concept of holistic wellness, I think that's going to play really well in the cannabis-related industries, simply because that's also part of their marketing approach and part of their philosophy. There are so many regulations for those in this cannabis industry, whether they are related to it or, as we say in the industry, in the business, plant-touching 
entities. Um, there is a movement afoot in the industry uh, for unionization of employees. I understand that there's definitely one dispensary in Massachusetts that has voted uh, to join a union. I'm pretty sure it was the I want to say it's the Food and Commercial Workers Union, and I should know this, and I'm thinking I'm right about that. Um, does it, it doesn't matter whether you have a unionization of employees or just a privately owned company that has some employees. This plan that you guys have come up with or these strategies that you've come up with can apply to anybody. Absolutely. Now, there may be separate plans for union and non-collectively bargained employee groups at a single employer. Right. And in some circumstances, you'll have a union plan for that employer or the union people will simply participate in a larger union level plan. And then all the non-union employees will participate in the plan um, that we set up for that employer. But regardless of that structure, we can service the union, we can service the subset of the union at that empl employer level, and we can service the non-collectively bargained. So, um, you know, that from our perspective, that doesn't, that doesn't matter so much um, other than the fact that the retirement benefit itself is typically part of the collectively bargained agreement. Gotcha. And of course, you know, it's such a, in, this industry is in its infancy still to this day. I mean, there's something like 80 dispensaries in Massachusetts. Um, as I mentioned, five new states are now coming on board as a legal entity. And, and, it, and it took Massachusetts two years just to open up their first dispensary after the voters spoke. Um, everybody recognizes, I believe, in the medicinal value of this plant. You know, you brought up well and the wellness industry and how this plant can actually improve people's health and the aging process, if you will. You know, as you get older, whether you were an athlete or not, you probably have some inflammation in the various joints that make up the human body. And it's always challenging sometimes to get through a regular day, or if you're still active, uh, you know, you may play a sport or uh, work out or take walks and then your knees ache a little bit and you rub a little CBD lotion on it and oh my goodness gracious, the aches go away. It's, it's an amazing concept. Are you seeing more and more acceptance out there in the public? Uh, the, just the concept of a non-opioid pain reliever is such a boon to public health and, and the, the stigma has been diminishing so rapidly. The, the concept of, of using a THC um, type of product to help you with your sleep or for uh, anti-seizure or to use as an alt alternate pain reliever is absolutely, I think, universally accepted. Um, and, and it's just a matter of time until we have medicinal in all 50 states. And of course, and, can, and when you think about it, what you guys have created as a 401k plan that you're offering to the cannabis industry, that too, you know, is part of history, isn't it? It, it, it absolutely is. And I, I hope it's a significant part because the, so one of the really interesting concepts, and again, I'm going to bore you with ERISA is the retirement program is one of, it's one of the only ways for, people who work in an MRB 
to take cash flow from the business and separate it legally, protect it from creditors, and have that segregation occur without a taxable event to the employee. And it's, it's, a, it's a crazy world out there, but that benefit alone is, is reason enough for most um, cannabis-related businesses to want to explore how to set up their plan, what kind of plan should they have, and to help their employees set some money aside for the future where it, it's protected both from tax and from creditors. Yeah, and we all know that right now, I believe it's 280E, which is a, something that the industry is going after. It's the IRS's code that, uh, for unreimbursed um, um, business expenses that you can write off uh, as a business um, or even employee, actually, if you itemize. And there is some movement afoot to get rid of that, as well as some other entities, as you know, that are still... Um, strangling the industry or at least handicapping it. And, and again, I, I see it as a, an injustice in many ways. It's one of the reasons why I started this company is because I wanted to give a voice to the industry so they could explain to people, you know, we're getting discriminated against. Um, are you finding, again, that the public or the industry uh, start, starting to understand that, you know what, all they want are equal rights to be treated like any other business and your company has done that. You must be somewhat proud of that. Well, it, you know, we are. 280E is a sore spot because <laughs> I don't believe that it's widely known outside of the cannabis industry just what a raw deal right. that is. And, and when I've explained it um, to folks who don't know about it, they're, regardless of how they feel about cannabis, they're horrified at that, what essentially amounts to double taxation. Right. And so right now we're working in a product set that complies with 280E. So we know how to get it done. What we're hopeful for and what we're looking forward to is the descheduling and, and the elimination of 280E completely. So again, the industry isn't unfairly discriminated against and can compete for human capital fairly uh, against all the other industries in our economy. And John, I know uh, you and I, I, I call us age appropriate people um, more than anything else. I just can't believe it's 2020. We're talking about cannabis as openly as this, we have moved so far that Green Rush, the, the lobbyists in Washington, D.C., more importantly, they're following the science, the research, and the will of the people because the will of the people continues to pass these ballot questions that then throws this whole responsibility of regulation and taxation onto that state. So democracy works to a point to get it to the starting line. Then they hand over that responsibility to the people that they've put in their various state legislators to create this, this whole new world. 
and Massachusetts, I'm going to use it as an example because it's right here. It's where, this, where, we, where we live here at Pro Cannabis Media. Um, it, it took them two years, the Cannabis Control Commission, just to write the laws and the regulations. And of course, they're still doing it with the delivery licenses, trying to help out those who have been most impacted on the war on drugs, the social equity applicants, the economic empowerment applicants. And they're just now starting to address that. So it takes time beyond the will of the people to just say, hey, make this stuff legal. The people that make the laws and the regulations have to figure it out. So we know that these changes don't happen overnight, do they? Well, they don't. And even, even if we could correct all the regulatory and legislative... I hurdles? Call, I hurdles? 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 Challenges? Over, <laughs> overreaches. Yeah, okay. Yep. Over, you know, once they're corrected there's still a lot of work to do for the industry to learn how to service a new sector of the economy appropriately to make sure that we do stay in compliance with whatever regulations remain based on the stigma attached to the plant, which I think is ridiculous, but mm -hmm. it's there. So sure, there'll still be a lot of work for us to do to get the, the industry served um, in as efficient and, and competitive a manner as all other industries are served. Um, and it, it just strikes me that, you, you know, we've had the capability to serve the MRBs and many of them don't even know they have an option. Like, because they, again, they, they got stonewalled when they first tried to set up their plans and they were told, no, 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 right. we can't do that. It's interstate commerce. It falls under federal law. It's not legal federally. The whole, I mean, you've heard that whole line of reasoning over and over, I'm sure. Um, but the, you know, we're evolving. The solutions are there. They will get better, but it won't be like throwing a switch when, when the regulatory or legislative environment is corrected. There's still going to be some, follow on in order for procedures and products and services to, to really become available. Yeah, fantastic. And how do people get a hold of uh, John Gentry at Asset Strategy Advisors in Natick, Massachusetts? So uh, folks can reach me by email, uh, jdg at assetstrategy.com. Um, or uh, you can check our website for my additional contact information. And that's uh, www.assetstrategy.com. There you go. And that is why they are experts in this space. John, I really appreciate you taking the time out to chat a little bit, enlighten our audience. And of course, when it comes time to, I actually get a chance to hire staff with benefits. I know where I'm going to go when it comes to creating a 401k plan for future employees. That's okay, That's right? That's fantastic, Jimmy. We'd love to have your business. <laughs> and I'd love to do it with you guys. So for John Gentry, I'm Jimmy Young, the host of In the Weeds. And remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We Talk Now, We Talk News, and In the Weeds are all available on most major podcast distributors like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and our friends at clnsmedia.com and our flagship, cannabis.net. So subscribe, share, and like our videos on all the social media networks out there, including LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, The Weed Tube, and YouTube. Weed Talk and In the Weeds are 
Two productions of Pro Cannabis Media supported by Revolutionary Clinics, one of the top medical cannabis dispensaries in the Massachusetts area. Now with three locations in Greater Boston, two in Cambridge and one on Broadway in Somerville. Rev Clinics has a patient-first mission. They will customize your needs as a medical patient with the proper titration and combination of strains, flavors, and products. Rev Clinics, where the patient comes first. We are Pro Cannabis Media.